Welcome to the Booktopia podcast. I'm Olivia. I'm here with our kids specialist, Sarah, and we are here with the delightful Sally Riffin. Welcome, Sally. Thank you. Really good to be here again. I think this is a, the third Polly and Buster book that I've been able to share with you, so it's a real thrill. Yes. Uh, the book in question is The Search for the Silver Witch, and it's the third in the Polly and Buster series. How does it feel? It's pretty exciting. Um, I haven't sent it out into the world completely yet, and so I haven't had responses back from kids, but I did actually, before it went to print, uh, have a few kids read it for me, because I always feel like I need that little bit of um, feedback, first of all. But so far, as it trickles in and I'm starting to hear uh, some responses from kids and adults, I'm feeling more confident. There's always this kind of slight anxiety about, is it, are people going to love it like I do? <laughs> that must be so cool. Was, was, was there any response from the kids that really just completely adorable <laughs> so the highlights I think the, there was a girl that I met at a book signing who had read the second book and she said Polly's like me because I'm dyslexic and I find reading really hard and I said yeah my son's dyslexic too and it is really hard but it means that you'll end up being really special at something else and so we started this little correspondence and I asked if she'd read this one and she said um, she wrote me this lovely piece saying you know Polly's like me because she's kind and she's brave and um, you know, she stands up for what's right. And I thought, if she can identify with Polly, then my work here is done. <laughs> it was it very really beautiful. is. <laughs> yeah, because I think it's, you know, there are so many kids out in the world who, um, who do struggle. And if they can mm. read a character that's struggling but still manages to come through in the end, that feels empowering for them. Yeah, yeah. just the whole theme of friendship and yeah. like being friends with someone like and loving all of them you yeah. know, is to such... I mean, I don't want to say it's such an important message because this book is so much more than just, you know, sending a message to kids, but it is just such a beautiful thing to see I, in a kid's book. I thank you. And I think the timing um, is really fortuitous as well in, in the most horrible way, in the, in the sense that it feels like when I first started out writing the series was the beginning of an era that does feel like the world is becoming more and more divided and there mm. is this sense of us and them. So initially, I think the themes of the book were definitely exploring apartheid, but potentially even a an apartheid that existed in the past but in a sense we've created this apartheid between you know the us and them or are we terrified of Muslims at the moment or are we still terrified mm. of these other people and so the sense of the only way forward as Jacinda Ardern has proven is through kindness is through integrity and actually trying to understand the other and um, reaching out having connections and conversations and so I hope I still hope that it's adults that will read these books with kids so that they can be read on these levels of of an adventure story, of a story of friendship, but also of a story of what happens when you allow yourself to be poisoned by the thoughts mm. of the other as being the enemy, because there's no such thing. You know, we're all damaged, we all carry our broken souls around with us, <laughs> and the only way we can actually heal from that is to be kind to each other, and, and that's what Polly's greatest lesson is, and without giving any spoilers. No, I know <laughs> you're so beautiful. I'm really in tears. It's just that's what she has to learn. You have yeah. to love that enemy, as, as crazy mm. as that sounds. Mm. And yeah. I think you need, the earlier you introduced that idea that, you know, and I guess encouraging kids to be not critical, but just more discerning, I guess, mm. about the thoughts that they have or the thoughts that get fed to them, yeah. you know actually deciding is this a kind thing to do this thing that I'm thinking yeah so and do beautiful. I believe this or am mm. I just accepting this mm. as because this is what everybody else is believing or what everybody else is telling me to believe you know do I really think that that person is a bad person because they look different or they're born in a different country or have a different faith yeah and it's one thing that struck me reading this last one and it's, it's such a 
again, spoiler free, but such a beautiful conclusion to a, a beautiful story, is like you were saying, it feels even more relevant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like when you compare when the first book came out to yeah. now, it just really feels even more relevant than when you started. Well, I was um, chatting with Ty, who's here with me from Hattie Grant Egmont, and I was, um, I just told her, I'm going to send them to Jacinda Ardern, because I imagine when Polly grows <laughs> up, she's she, going to be like Jacinda. That's so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so Jacinda's oh like my role model of how, if everybody in the world could be that gracious, imagine mm. how different the world would be, you know, with that, with seeing kindness as a strength, not as a weakness. And yeah. I think often people are, sh- are ashamed or afraid to show that part of themselves because they'll think they'll be taken advantage of or or that people will see them as weak and I know certainly myself being a small like softly spoken woman it's like that's not considered high status you know you have to be abrasive and loud and big and you know and if you're a man on top of that you know there's extra status out of there so to show that actually kindness and strength can come from being gentle and feminine is just the extraordinary job that she's doing right now. Um, it's just sad that we don't see it as often, you know, like women in leadership at that level, because when you, um, not to stray away from the books mm. a little bit, but mm. just it, broadly speaking, like um, the difference between shown between how a woman handles that kind of yeah. leadership crisis versus the way we've seen it handled a million times before by men. It's but interesting. I agree, I agree with yeah. you, and I'm hoping that she may have set a precedent because. Yeah. Um, I mean, we see, you saw how Julia Gillard was just ripped to shreds when she was in power. And so what young girl would watch that happening and think, oh, I'd like to put myself in that position yeah. and set myself up for that kind of attack? <laughs> no Whereas one. someone like Jacinda, who fortunately has had the support of her government and her mm. um, people, uh, are showing that, no, that is actually a coveted position to be in and, and hopefully... I'm hoping that we're reaching a different era where it is, a, you know, we're just getting rid of all that, those crusty old men at the top <laughs> and swapping them over for a lot more diversity, um, more women in power, um, mm-hmm. that maybe will change the dynamic because it needs to happen. There's it no really does. Yeah. Um, I am a firm believer in the fact that I don't care what you believe, what like faith, what political leaning, if, you're pure, if your baseline beliefs don't start with... I need to be kind mm. to everyone I meet, mm. then start again. Start from scratch. That's exactly. not, you know. Courage yeah. and kindness, or the courage to be kind. Because yeah. it's not always easy. Yeah. Um, and that's why, and we've, we've, I remember we spoke when you were in last about how obviously these messages in the book are so important, but it's also, it has to be a good story yeah. to like support all of these big, um, all of these big ideas. And like having having read this trilogy now and just feeling so thoroughly like just all the emotions it's just so <laughs> lovely I know kids are gonna love it I know parents are gonna love reading it with their kids what are you gonna do now though <laughs> like... well going back to what you were saying about the complex themes um I think last time I saw you the second book had come out and I'd already started speaking to some kids and so I was feeling quite comfortable and confident about it in the world but I do always have this little panic before it goes to print why am I introducing kids to such complex themes you know maybe I should just be making them laugh like a lot of other authors do why do I keep doing this why do I want to and and then I think well you also just have to write what you feel strongly about as well you know I think that's that's where all my writing comes from I the kids are exposed to this world as much as we are. It must be more confusing for them than it is for us. And so trying to find a way to explain it to them, to make it feel less scary, 
but like you say, create making sure that there's adventure and there's humor and there's things that they can relate to on their level as well. That's the thing that I always panic about. Okay, hoping I got this right and it's not too earnest or heavy handed. You always nail it. And it's a, <laughs> it's a really, I feel like it must be a really hard balance. It is um, tricky. I always feel nervous about it. <laughs> but it's, I, it's important because kids are so much smarter than we realize. They're as smart, mm. kids tend to be as intelligent as you treat them. Mm. And so when you, you want books that don't top down, yeah. that, that, that inspire while they entertain. Yeah, that's And so this true. is just like a go-to series. If ever that, if ever anyone's asking for anything like that, I'm always like, Bonnie Buster, Bonnie Buster. <laughs> but sometimes I'll get like five and six-year-olds in my signing queues and they'll say, surely this must be a bit scary for you. And I say, no. Nope. <laughs> Kids have a surprising capacity to handle stuff that's way too old for them. Mm. Like, yeah. And it, not even just in the terms of dark themes, just picking up books that are like, oh, this is bigger and longer and mm. got bigger words, but I'm going to give it a crack anyway. Mm. I mean, I know I was like that and pretty much everyone upstairs in the office was like that. So I think we need to just trust that kids like to be challenged. I think so. And I also that they, that when I remember this myself as a child, that you also can only bring your own life experience to what you read. So mm. I remember I would read a lot of things that were said in wars. So, you know, when Hitler stole Pink Rabbit and Frank's Diary. And, but I could only read it at the level that my life experience allowed me. And so I would read it as the story of a child and obviously with compassion and empathy. But I'm sure when I go back and read them as an adult that you read it at a whole deeper level because yeah. you understand the context and so forth. So I do think also children read at the capacity they're able to and their brain fills in the gaps in the way that visual media doesn't. The visual, If you're watching a film of it, you're given the Everything. whole picture and you yeah. actually just can't filter that out. And so I think sometimes films in some sense can be more traumatic than, than reading. Um, but I also think that my challenge as a writer for children is to be really inclusive as well and so um, I want to write complex themes but I really focus on making sure that the language is very accessible so a struggling reader can read a complex story um, from when they're six or, or potentially a dyslexic reader as twelve at 12 as this young girl was can still access it as well because everybody deserves the right to good complex meaty stories and mm. not all of them are accessible to all readers so I feel like that's a really important thing I aim for each time. It's so amazing listening what to What am I going to do next? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I do, I, I, let's go back to that because I'm so curious. I can't say. I am actually okay. working on something but um, it's, I was explaining it to my, so I read little bits at a time to my partner as I'm writing, but I was explaining to him that it's, he can't even give me feedback yet because if he says anything, it's like I'm at the moment just looking at this cloud that's kind of floating above my head and I have to try and write it down. But if I criticize it or if I get criticism for anything, then it will just turn to concrete and it will just yeah. crash and smash. And so, <laughs> so it's too delicate right yeah, now. Yeah, it is. And, but once again, I find myself exploring, you know, some really big ideas. <laughs> I can't help it. Like I started and I thought, really? Am I doing this again? <laughs> Surely it's time for something light and funny. <laughs> but hopefully there's humour in there as well. I'm sure to, there will be. <laughs> create some nuance, yeah. Ah, now, um, we were talking a little bit before we came in here just about how beautiful this last book is and, now, and how gorgeous they're going to look as a, as a series. Um, so was there a lot of talk about what colour it would be? 
Well, I've just found out now that when I was on tour with Ty, she was telling all the children that it had to be green. <laughs> this is just a joke. Last time when um, uh, the uh, person who is with me from Patty Grant uh, was touring with me, uh, we were visiting a lot of schools and we had the blue book out and the purple book out and we uh, did do little surveys amongst the kids and I think it was probably about 80 or 90% of the kids would say green and there were a few ambers thrown in there because yeah. that represents the coloured stones. When a few kids said black and silver but um, uniformly green was the one and at the same time that was what the designer came up with too and just seemed to work and um, sometimes you just get a feeling like something's just meant to be and that's how... I think green yeah. was the way to go. And now, you, um, now all the colours are like blue based. It's a nice. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Yeah. Especially the blue one. <laughs> <laughs> is that your favourite colour, is it? Well, no, it's just especially blue based because it's blue. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> um, now, I love your, um, your like writing retreat. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've spoken to us about it before, but mm. I can never hear enough about it. Can you just <laughs> tell us a little bit about what your setup is like? Okay, it's very, very <laughs> lovely. I'm looking at Olivia now because she doesn't know about it. I know, that. I haven't heard this before. <laughs> oh my gosh, just wait, just I wait. Know. <laughs> um, look, every, every day I wake up and feel grateful for my life. I just had to preface it with this because I do feel extremely fortunate. I almost feel indulgent talking about my wages retreat. But I am lucky enough to have a big block of bush just outside of Melbourne where I live. So it's about an hour and 15 from where I live, outside of a beautiful town called Castlemaine, which is a very uh, culturally rich town. It has cinema and has great festivals and art galleries. And it's literally a renovated tin shed <laughs> um, done in the most beautiful way. And someone did live there full time. So it's very, very comfortable. You know, there's yeah. bathroom and kitchen <laughs> and all the essentials that you need. Um, and when he moved out, it was very hippie style. So now it's just very light and very bright. It's, and I just go there and all I see when I look out the windows is kangaroos and bush and quiet. And um, there's, I think it's a little bit like there's a, a, I don't know if I mentioned this last time, there is a writer's retreat up in the Blue Mountains called Varuna. And somebody there explained that what it is at Varuna that it offers to writers is it's not um, not being interrupted but it's taking away the fear of being interrupted. Ah. And so it means that at no possible moment can you even allow that anxiety about um, anything coming in from your outside life. So you can get completely lost in your thoughts. And so I do spend a lot of time up there just thinking and walking and it's very, very idyllic and it works for me. You know, I often find I can't always write in Melbourne because I'm doing a hundred things and I yeah. have a kid and a puppy and all those things. Um, whereas up there, it's just peace and it's calm and it's among the trees. And I really am an introvert. And so I do find really energised. I'm really energised after spending yeah. a lot of time on my own. I don't really fret about that at all. So you have no, no internet or anything? Well, I have Are my you phone. Disconnected? So, yeah. you know, if I do need to get on the internet, I can use my hotspot. <laughs> but, but there's no internet there's, there's no tv no nothing like that yeah no no it's really lovely <laughs> i do love it you're most welcome to come if you ever come to oh my god i'd love to it's see it's very you. sweet yeah the water coming out of the shower is brown but it's like you're okay with that natural <laughs> it's, it's very unnatural <laughs> yeah. um and so during the writing of this final book in yes. the series um did you sort of hit any kind of stumbling blocks with getting the right <laughs> illustration or the right like plot point um 
I think it's impossible not to hit stumbling blocks <laughs> when you're writing. I did find this these three books particularly complex to write because they're an invented world and so I had to come up with all the rules of the world along the way. Um, and also because it was that thing about how to introduce complex themes without them being overwhelming and so mm. a lot of it was pulling back, pairing back, um, but containing the same es essence. So I think probably that was... This one was actually um, the plot line was the easiest one to to get from A to B. It was kind of fully formed in my head, whereas the second one I pulled it apart several times and mm. uh, rewrote in, in um, different forms. But this one felt like this was where I'd been heading right from the beginning, so it just felt like I just needed to find a way to get there. Interestingly, with the illustrations, though, and this is no longer a secret, so I'm quite happy to blurt <laughs> it out here. The first two books were hand illustrated with charcoal, which mm. takes a very long time, and you need to fix it in between each layer, and then um, often it's quite easy to mess up because you can't get a fine point on a charcoal. And this one, I because I'm always running behind, I realised I had two weeks to get all the illustrations in, and one of those weeks was school holidays. Oh, there's no God. way! And I couldn't push the deadline any further because then I... The designer gets pushed out and everybody gets pushed out and I didn't want to put that on anyone. So I rang up my friend who'd been trying to convince me to learn how to um, draw on the iPad Pro for years wow. and said, quick, give me some lessons. And he did. <laughs> I could see Olivia's peeking now. I know, as I can tell. <laughs> um, and they're all done on an iPad Pro, yeah. Wow. Did it take you long to... And it took me... Oh, and it was really quick to learn. It's very um, user-friendly, but it took a quarter of the time. So one il charcoal illustration would take at least six hours, whereas I could do one of these in about two hours. And I'm, I'm essentially doing the same technique. So I'm still layering it. I'm still using it as if it's charcoal. I've already created the characters and the mood. But the advantage is that I can fix things. And not as in fix it, but as correct yeah. things. So when I make a mistake in charcoal, I just had to kind of paint over it or think, oh, well, I just have to live with that. Whereas it was so easy to just click back. Fix that error. <laughs> so is this the way now? Well, I don't know because there was something quite deeply unsatisfying about not having a big folio of drawings to take into my publishing house. Just kind uh -huh. of um, emailing something off just feels like it's not quite real, and I even miss the dirtiness of creating real, real artwork in the sense of hand-drawn artwork. So I don't think I could ever give that up. It was very handy to meet my yeah. deadline and very, very practical. And I think I still have to learn about uh, levels because on the screen they really sung and the reprint, they seem to have darkened quite a bit. So I think mm -hmm. if I was going to continue working in, they're supposed to be dark, but I think yeah. <laughs> I think if I was going to continue working in um, on the, the iPad, I would have to learn a little bit more about how the illustrations reproduce as well. Um, but no, I couldn't give up charcoal. Do you think, so is there a way to kind of work with both? Like, I think a lot of people do. Yeah. Like some people might create uh, textures by hand and then scan them in. And So mm -hmm. Heidi McKinnon is somebody that I mentored for a while. She wrote I Just Like My Friend. Um, and Such I know it's just really cool. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so she, as far as I'm aware, will often create textures that she hand paints and then scan them in and then she'll use a mixture of her iPad and her computer to put everything together but she's also a designer so that's just a, a oh. really easy tool for her to know how to manage whereas I'm very old school everything I've done is always hand drawn and I still cut things out with scissors and stick them <laughs> on with glue and sticky tape um, I quite like the tactility of it though I spend, mm. spend so much time in front of a screen it's nice to get away from all of that yeah it translates very nicely
like with the textures and stuff, yeah. like it still does come across. I think so. Yeah. 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 They're gorgeous illustrations. Oh, thank yeah, you. Yeah, I think kids are going to fall in love with this book. I hope Absolutely. so. And now the newbies who come in on book one have the whole trilogy. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm most excited about. I often like getting into a series when, when the last book's out. coming out. Yeah. Mm. I'm just like, oh, this is the perfect time to speed read everything in two weeks yeah. before it comes out. Because yeah, a lot of the kids that I met at the Sydney Writers Festival, because they had some mm. advanced copies for sale, um, mm. had told me that they'd been literally counting down. Oh, one parent said... Um, that when she finished book two, which was June, when the book came out in 2018, um, she said, when's the next book coming out? And her parent had said, um, 2019, so literally from January 1st. So how many days now? Oh, how many days now? Wow. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. That's are so precious. That's the thing that children do that mm. adults... I mean, adults do fangirl fan yeah. boy quite a bit, but children, when they love something, mm. they love it so intensely and just yeah. with their whole heart. So it's such a privilege to write and they're really effusive about it although mm. you're pretty effusive too Sarah so. I just find these <laughs> I mean so I'm childish yeah, in my like true. of things it's true but I just I just think that these are so beautiful and I've got two little nieces who are three and four mm-hmm. so they're just like they're not quite no, like they're still old enough it, yeah, um, yeah. but as soon as I feel like mm. Even if, even if it's we're, we're just approaching, I might just push it a little bit because I, I think they're going to love these That's stories. Yeah, but it's an interesting you use the word, and we all do, we use the word childish like it's a pejorative thing. I was thinking about that yeah. literally five minutes ago. Like, yeah. I'm pretty at peace I know with a lot it. of kids are a lot more mature. I'd rather have a, a, a childish view of the world than an adult view of the world on so know, many things. You know, another way to describe that would be um, awe-filled. Like, oh. full of awe, because that's how children mm. are. Like, everything yeah. in the world is fresh, it's shiny, it's interesting, it's new. Mm. So I wouldn't call you childish. I would say you are full of oh. awe. I like <laughs> this way to put it. Like the it. positive mm. way of saying childish. I, want, I feel like life would be very sad if you mm. couldn't, you know, get inspired and excited about exactly. stories. Yeah. Like, you wouldn't be in this job for a start. I really <laughs> wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> I love working in the book industry so much, but yeah. there's probably ways to earn more money. <laughs> Says everyone in the book industry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but then you get to go to awesome events like Sydney Writers mm. Festival. Mm. So you you mm. spent all day yesterday, I yeah. believe, at your event at the Family Day. Yes. Tell us about that. So um, I did a Polly and Buster talk, which was um, really, really fun, because I actually haven't talked about these books probably for about six months now. So it's always slightly nerve-wracking just before I go back up on stage. But then it's like, oh, I know this and I know how to do this. So that was really, really lovely. Um, I think I'm allowed to say also I did a, a, a little private event on the Saturday, which was just adorable. So the um, the main financial benefactor for the Sydney Writers Festival and who also has charitable organisations that support the Indigenous Literacy Foundation and so forth, um, his granddaughter is a big fan of my books, so <laughs> they had a little <laughs> private event for her and ten of her Aww. best friends with a Polly and Buster cake. <laughs> it was oh just adorable. Oh, and I'm they... a sucker for a book themed cake. <laughs> yeah, <it was laughs> we see lovely. so many of them coming through from publishers' so social media, sweet. and it's just. And there was the loveliest little moment when his granddaughter was given the book, and she pulled out seventy five cents in her pocket and gave it to me in exchange. <laughs> she bought your book for 75 <laughs> Yes, that's what she had in her pocket. I just think you are just adorable. I'm, I can't ever spend that 75 cents. No. Oh, it that's so sweet. That's got a special place on the shelf yeah, in the writer's retreat. It's just like you don't get anything for free, you know. So <laughs> did they start reading it then and there? No, because they wanted the cake. Yeah. <laughs> 
take them both. That's right. Okay, mm, priorities. <laughs> but that was really, really special. Because the mm. other thing about the really small events is you do get to actually interact with the kids really closely one-on-one. Whereas when it's a big hall of kids, you do your best to make every single one of them feel seen and heard. And then when they come up later and have their book signed, you get a chance to chat with them really, really quickly. But in those little events, you can really connect with all the kids, and that's really special. Well, we're just two big balls of happiness right now. Yeah. <laughs> You're busted. Yeah, I'm seven years old again. Oh, that's, <laughs> <you. Reading> <laughs> that's really lovely. But do you know that's the thing that I used to find when I was teaching writing for children at university is that um, there'd be a whole classroom full of adults, and I'd pull up books from our childhoods and the reaction people would have to a book from their childhood is nothing like the ones that they have read later as an adult. Mm. Oh, I remember that book. My grandma gave me that book. Oh, I remember that was the one that my dad read to me, mm. you know, every night after soccer or something. And so it brings back these really warm memories of connection and place and, and it's really the person bizarre. you were when you were young. Yeah. I moved yeah. out last year and I was just going through my bookshelf going, oh my gosh, like I found all of my red wall books and yeah. oh, just all of these like one-off books that I just <laughs> Just had found in a bookshop yep. and, and fallen in love with And each one contains a little memory, doesn't it? It made yeah. moving out so much harder because I'd just sit there and read them. <laughs> I would honestly carry all those books with me through mm. all of life, except for I had a terrible incident where I had a bunch of childhood books that I adored that I just didn't have space for. And so I stored them in my parents' garage and they got flooded. Um. And so it was... You know, it was really... They were doing the Marie Kondo for you without you. Yeah, <laughs> like it's kind of... It's, I get sad every time I think about it, but yeah. also I remember the books. And yes. it's, I have a powerful urge no to read No one can one. take that memory from you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> forever. Oh, yeah. Oh. I feel like we've gone way over the years. <laughs> we should wrap it up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming in, Sally. This has been wonderful. It's always a pleasure. It's always, I always feel always so welcome here, and you guys are so lovely and oh. so supportive of what I do. So thank you. You're and 100% it's really welcome. Come back yes. anytime. Yeah, it's really special to have children's authors be able to have really um, in-depth conversations about what they do. You know, because mm. uh, every children's author I know really thinks really hard about mm. their craft. You know, they don't do it. Um, do it it's like not hardly. easy. No, they do. They do yeah. put a lot of attention into it. Thank you again. And Pleasure. You can get, you can pre-order. This comes out in June, I believe. Yes. Yep. <laughs> I just now it's in my hand, so I'm like, no, it's out now. <laughs> no, you can buy uh, Polly and Buster: The Search for the Silver Witch at Booktopia.com.au. Thanks for listening to the Booktopia podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes. And if your eyeballs need a workout, check us out on YouTube at Booktopia TV. And don't forget, for all books featured on this episode and all episodes of the Booktopia podcast, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore, at www.booktopia.com.au. Thanks for listening.